spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Good morning. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit. My name is Tracy. And Leslie. And we come together every week to, we say, to encourage you on your (laughs) spiritual path. However, at the same time, (laughs) we get to encourage ourselves and to remind ourselves and to recommit ourselves to constantly and continuously and daily and every moment we <laughs> say yes to your spirit. Having a moment there, Trace? There you go. Oh, this has been a week that I have needed lots oh. of reminders to say yes to spirit. And then I get all caught up in the conditions of life. This can be fun to have Tracy, having it all about Tracy hour, baby. Oh, I doubt that, but it's been a week. <laughs> it's been a week. <laughs> yeah. And isn't it interesting how, even though having been a week, my my experience is just the theme music or just, you know, having this ritual, it's, you know, it's a sacredness, you and I sitting across looking at each other, it does kind of just really kind of compress everything else out and bring back what is. Yeah, and that's really good on the day we do the show. <laughs> the other six days oh, of the week, right? right? right. So, um, but no. So I, every week we have a theme, and today our theme is rest, not in terms of sleeping, but in reaction to the Bible verse that says, Come unto me, all ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So what is it about saying yes to spirit that brings that sense of rest in spite of whatever might be going on in your life. The heavy ladenness. Right. Heavy ladenness. (laughs) That just sounds heavy, doesn't it? Yes. So actually the Bible verse did not initiate the show theme. Oh. Um, As some of you know, and I'll talk more about it when we get into today's topic, I'm um, I, I often refer to the book, The Sacred Yes, Letters from the Infinite, and currently I am facilitating a class that's been inspired by the book, and there's a quote in there that says, rest is not getting away from things, but coming to me, coming to God. Oh. And so, um, yeah, so that's really what got me thinking. And then I thought of the Bible verse that, yeah, when things are heavy laden, come to mm. me and for rest. So um, rest is our theme for today. However, before we get too much into our theme for today. The most exciting part of the show. It's important for us to... Connect the dots to last week's show. And, you know, this is a perfect connect the dots because rest, Tracy Brown, is a four-letter word. Yes, that did not go without no <laughs> But I thought I would leave it for you to say yes, connect the dots. That was very kind of you, very kind of you. Because last week we talked about four-letter words. And it was kind of fun because we just went through all the different words and connecting them back to spirit. And again, that's kind of what this show does, is just take any old word. Some of the words we talked about, you know, grow and walk and hope and play and truth, you really wouldn't think of it in terms of a spiritual kind of connotation. But when you stop and consciously make that connection, it's really special. It makes every word special. Yeah, you know, it was really a tempting idea to simply take the 20 or so words we used last week and mm-hmm. then just schedule them for the next 20 shows. Oh, see, yeah. Even though some of them we've done shows on before, um, like Pray and Hope and uh, 
heal. I think we've done the show on and we've definitely done fear. Um, but it was tempting to just say, okay, these will be our next 20 or 25 shows. You know, that really is. And I and I really encourage anyone that's listening to challenge themselves in, in that as well with their friends and even in their own mind, just random thinking. How do you connect it to spirit? How does it connect to spirit? Yeah, so anything else with connect the dots today? No, but thank you for picking a four-letter word for the next thing, Trace. I think that was very magnanimous, magnanimous, mega, mega, mega good of you. Whatever okay, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. <laughs> You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie. Today our theme is rest. And what does it mean to say yes to spirit in the context of rest? So right before the break, I shared the quote that actually um, inspired me to select this for today's theme. And it is, rest is not getting away from things, but coming to me, coming to God. And... You know, that's really interesting in the context of, in just normal English, when we say the word rest, mm-hmm. we get the image of, like, go take a nap. I was going to say it's definitely different than how I think of it, yes. Yeah, like go take a nap or go lay down. And go shut out the rest of the right. world so that you can rest because right. everything's so busy. And um, And in some ways, if you are going to God... You are shutting out the rest mm. of the world and from a spiritual perspective. You're shutting out the worldliness, the busyness, the, the insanity of analysis right. and standing firm or, or moving toward the serenity of spirit itself. So in that sense, it is rest, but we do think of rest as, an, as, a, as a verb, a kind of a, mm-hmm. I must go rest. Mm-hmm. I've been so busy, and now I must go lay down. I mean, it's like something I have to do instead of something I can be. Yeah, still, yeah, even as you're speaking, the wow, I can be at rest and not be horizontal. Exactly. <laughs> Is that the possibility? Is that the idea? Exactly. And when I was thinking about it, too, I thought about you, Leslie, because I nap all the time. No. Oh, okay. So sorry. Isn't it you who used to say that what you wanted almost more than anything else was to experience peace that passes all understanding? I used to say that. I don't say that anymore. (laughs) Yes, yes. And that to me is like the peace that passes all understanding is resting in spirit. Mm. That no matter what is going on, I say yes. That I am experiencing life from a state of peace, Mm -hmm. even though my car is wrecked and my back hurts. So you're connecting peace to being at rest. Yeah, I mean, I think that that from that perspective, the Mm -hmm. peace that passes all understanding Mm -hmm. is resting in spirit. It's saying yes to spirit and saying, yes, I can rest. I don't have to be worried about this. I don't have to run all the calculations in my head. I don't have to worry about how the doctor's bills are going to be paid or how I'm going to replace my car. I can know 
I can say yes to spirit, know that this is all unfolding perfectly and in ways I cannot even imagine and simply have peace about it. That almost sounds like faith as well. It does, doesn't it? That demonstrated faith versus right. thinking about faith, that as I demonstrate my faith in the in the power and the presence of spirit, that I am resting, I am, what's the Bible verse? It had heavy laden in it. <laughs> yeah, that um, come unto me all ye who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. I, God, will give you rest. So I heavy laden doesn't mean that the burden goes away, but my perception of it as a burden mm-hmm. goes away. And come unto me, come suggests yes. some action, right? Or but I have to take on the my part because God hasn't gone anywhere. Right, right. God doesn't move. God is well everywhere, mm-hmm. always present. It's it's me, it's you, it's us as human beings mm-hmm. who kind of walk away or turn our back or close our eyes or put on our sunglasses. So it's up to me then to come forward, to come into or to come within, mm-hmm. to go deep, more deeply within to that pure, perfect presence. Sacred space. Yes. Yeah. Space is a sacred. Oh. Oh, look at you trying to be me. You got excited <laughs> there for a minute thinking it was a four-letter word. I like that. He's just a five-letter like word. As it's like we didn't have that last week. <laughs> but this is this week. It's hysterically good. Go, Tracy. Go, brain. I like that brain. You're uh, sipping on tea in real time as, as we're talking, and that reminds me I have an English friend. that was. I'm sipping on tea out of a cup that has joy on it. it that's a, all good all around, that feeling, that cup and the tea. Yes, I picked that cup specifically to, for today's show. Did you? Yes, I wanted to be in joy as <laughs> I did the show today. I in okay. so, joy. Yeah, I in joy. Yes. yes, my English friend, she really connects tea. It's a sacred yes. experience for her. Yes. And when I see her, I spend a lot of time at her house during the week doing work, and Whenever she is in stress or in distress, she will make a cup of tea. A cup of tea. And it really impacts her. It has a calming sense. It gives her rest. Yeah, and you know, that makes sense. Well, it makes sense to me intellectually just knowing, especially the British tradition around afternoon tea time and... It's really stopping what you're doing and and make and the ritual around making the tea, yes, and serving yes. the tea, and and sharing genuine time with whoever you are sharing your tea experience with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I so of course I'm not British, uh-huh. <laughs> and I didn't grow up having that kind of experience, but in my when I started drinking tea some, mm-hmm. you know, and exploring tea, um, it I, I did that because I did come to it from a spiritual perspective. And it, I wasn't serious about it, but then I got very serious about it after I was divorced. So in my late 30s and early 40s, I would do kind of what you described your friend doing, but I didn't really know what I was doing. So I would meditate. I meditated regularly, but I almost always made tea. Before you meditated? Before or after, but there was always like some connection between my meditation time and tea. So a lot of times I would meditate and then journal. And so I would meditate for, you know, not a long, long period, maybe 15 minutes, and I would make a, a pot of tea right before I meditated so the it wouldn't be so hot by the time I meditated for 15 minutes, and then I would sip tea in journal. 
and um, or if I were writing late at night, I would make a cup of tea, and I would write and sip tea. So, um, so yeah. I wonder what it is. If there's a, if it's part of the heat of the heat of the tea of the hot. Of calming. Calming. Well, and it does depend on what kind of tea you are drinking mm. because their teas actually have healing, different teas have different healing qualities. So um, there is a fabulous, if you are, if you, anyone who's listening, if you live in Houston or if you are ever visiting Houston mm. and you want to have an amazing tea experience, <laughs> <laughs> there is a shop called The Path of Tea, and the woman who owns The Path of Tea is like, you know, she knows all about all kinds of teas from all over the world, mm. and just to have Thea talk about and tell you about, you know, this is a tea from this part of the world, and this is what that tea means and the herbs in it, and all of those oh, teas wow. are pure and organic, and they it, it's amazing. I wonder if she has a website, The Path of Tea. Well, I believe that she does, and um, with the power of Madam Google, we could look that up. It's probably thepathoftea.com. Let's see if that works. There is a thepathoftea.com, but... Um, Anyway, Thea, is, I'm sure there are other people around the country, and I've been to a few tea shops. I've been to, you know, instead of a coffee shop, go to a tea uh -huh. shop and order tea. But um, I've never been anywhere in, in any of them that have been more fabulous than Thea at the Path of Tea. And, yes, that is the website, and it is Houston's only totally organic tea house and online tea store. So even if you're not in Houston, you can go to thepathoftea.com and order tea. Look at this. On, on the her website it says Certified Tea Master. Master. Now that I have never seen before, but this is a very cool looking website. And there is some real, my spiritual teacher, Reverend Beatrice, is just going through and getting her doctorate in homeopathic medicine. Uh-huh. And... You're exactly right. It's it really is um, amazing the healing uh, qualities of natural things that are all around us that we don't really even begin to look at or think about because we you know immediately go to perhaps some not natural um, reactions to when we're in pain or feeling emotional stress or physical disease. But tea is a very powerful, powerful healing agent. Yes. And so we got off on tea, and it's not even a four-letter word or really rest, but it is rest in a way. It's well, a, I, you know, part of what what it connects to for me in this context, in this topic, is, you know, we, we got here because we started talking about, like, what does it mean to rest mm -hmm. and what does it mean to come to God in terms of seeking and accepting and receiving rest. And for me, the healing qualities of tea are both the process of making and drinking it or sharing mm -hmm. it um, and the organic um, part, the organic qualities of it, if you're drinking organic tea, the healing properties, right. properties is the, the word that I'm looking for, and that it is natural. Mm -hmm. And there are natural herbs and natural... Um, you know, properties that are available to us that have been created by God. Right. And so that healing quality mm -hmm. of bringing calmness or bringing whatever other kind of healing, physical or emotional healing that needs to happen is um, is important. And I wonder if, too, you know, obviously being around my friend, has caused me to kind of adopt that same feeling about tea. It has to be her tea, though. If it's anybody else's tea, I don't have the exact same feeling. But I do get a sense of 
well-being, a sense of calm when she brings a cup of, of her English tea that she actually brings back from England when she goes and visits. But, um, you know, I think there is something to be said to have some sort of ritual or some sort of something in our lives that can sort of tangibly bring that sense of rest or that sense of well-being. And I'm trying to think, what do I have in my life? And I can think of nothing. Maybe that's a problem. Do you think that could be an issue? No thing can I think of that's bringing me that rest. No wonder I'm under so much distress. What brings me that rest? Tracy, go ahead. I'm trying to think of something. (laughs) Your morning meditation practice? You would think, but yeah, no. But yes, that would well, be a possibility. Well, that's because you've been yes. looking at that as a duty. As a duty, I have to go meditate. Right, I now. have to be there and unlock the door, yeah. and you know, be responsible. Like, I'm the key holder, right? Versus, I get to go and simply be rest, rest at seven. Oh, you changed it we to changed 7.30. We changed it to 7.30. 7.30. So. so now you have to leave home at 7. Yes, it's a little bit different. You know what... Uh, possibly does give me a sense of peace is my kitties. When I can just sit with my kitties and I saw another example how nature and things are provided to us in a very natural way. There was a big article that somebody sent me in the email system about a cat's purr. Yes, I saw that. Yes. Say more about it for people who didn't see it. And they've done studies about the vibrational energy level of a cat's purr. Yes. And it is literally, it's vibrating at a level that is a healing and a calming. And so it's really interesting when I saw that and I think back, you know, when I'm meditating at home, my cats come, I don't care where they are, if they're outside, whatever, they will come through that doggy door. I've known that for years, and I've also known if I'm in distress, the kitties appear, and they will sit on top of my chest if I'm laying down, and they will purr, even some of my kitties that don't purr. And it's interesting when I think about it, I always think, well, kitties purr in response to me petting them, but that no. is not true. Not all. I mean, not, not always true. Yeah. yeah, right, not always true. And so it was really a fascinating article. And again, it was fascinating to think about. There are so many things naturally designed for us as human beings to be replenished or to be reminded of kind of the truth of who we are and that spiritual rest. So we would say a spiritual, this kind of being at rest is really an active state of rest. Well, it's a choice to go to that experience or that place or that mental state that has you in non-resistance and that has you in peace and safety Mm. and joy. And so the choice is an active choice. Right. You mean an active choice to bring yourself back to that. Right. Right, to, to walk across the bridge from wherever you are <laughs> to that place of guaranteed rest and peace. So in this sense, uh, yeah, there's a, a, a the the word peace does keep coming. I can choose peace. I can, you know, the the quote that I use probably every few weeks is drama is a choice. So is peace. Right. And that's what the the come to me, come, Uh and I will give you rest, is all about, yes, I'm the one that has to choose choose it. I'm the one that has to choose to take the steps across the bridge from not peace to peace. And that's so funny to use the word bridge. Um, I do classes at the Dallas County Women's Jail, and we did a really one of my favorite exercises this last week, um, it goes off the premise of how even in ancient times when people in in other countries would use elephants to be their horses, you know, to do work for them, and now it's how circuses train elephants. It's a horrible thing. It's a horrible story. But um, to get to the metaphor, you have to know the story. 
they take young elephants and they use heavy chains and they chain their leg to a post and then they basically starve and don't give it any water and the elephant struggles and tries to get away and goes through all these horrible things and can't undo that heavy chain around its leg tied to the post. And then the trainer will come in with food and water and kind of that's how the relationship begins with the trainer. And then during the breaks early on when they're working, they'll do that heavy chain around them and tie them back to the post. And then as the elephant grows and becomes this two-ton animal, all they have to do is tie a rope around the elephant's leg. And the elephant has come to believe that that's that heavy chain. And even though this elephant could just easily uproot that rope, he doesn't or she doesn't rarely do they ever try to do that because they have this belief system that they can't move because it's a heavy chain. So with the women, we do an exercise where we write down in kind of a, a, a dotted bubble of what is the false beliefs or where have I learned, who did I learn it from, mom, dad, sister, brother, first boyfriend, teachers, maybe somebody in church. What are these false beliefs that I got at a small age or, you know, up until last week, but what are they? that They're not really real, but I believe them, so it's my belief that is giving them the power. Yes. And then we do, I do a little bridge to, and I have a, a solid box that's uh, solid lines, and it says the truth of who I am. And then they'll put things like kind, loving, child of God, God, and so then we have this bridge of what gets us out of our false beliefs into the truth of who we are. And it, you know, everybody has to make their own, whether it be going to church or affirmation. Right, because or my prayer. bridge is right. the same as your bridge. Exactly. And then the key is once we identify that, then we know, okay, am I, you know, living here in my false belief? Am I doing my bridge work? Or am I living here, you know, in the truth of who I am? So it's kind of a visual map for them to see. And it's really fascinating because it's really when you get those first ahas of, oh, my good heavens, you know, I get to be a lesbian and successful. You know, that was one of the things my mother said. I'll never forget. She said, you know, as a lesbian, you'll never get a good job. And I've had a lot of good jobs. I might not have a good job right now, but as a lesbian, I've had a lot of good jobs. But that was a real clear, she believed that, right, as a lesbian, you'll never get a good job. So that would be down in my false belief category. Yes, if at any point you believed it, yes. Cool. So um, I think we need to take a little break, and then we will come back and talk more about this idea of saying yes to spirit and finding rest in that. Welcome back. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie. And today, our theme is rest. Not sleep rest, <laughs> but the rest that goes yes. with, come unto me all ye who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. How do you find rest in spirit? 
And we talked a little bit about the difference between rest and just napping or sleeping. And that rest requires us to choose and move, to take action into the direction of spirit so that we can release our connection to whatever it is the condition is. So another quote from the sacred yes, that I love that's related to rest is this one. It's hard to decide. Do I want to talk about suffering or do no? I want to talk about exhaustion. <laughs> you don't have to be at a place of exhaustion to receive this rest. Conversely, the fact that you are so exhausted is no guarantee that you will receive the rest. You don't have to be exhausted, and the fact that you are exhausted isn't a coupon. That was really deep. So, meaning you're not automatically going to get it just because you're exhausted? Exactly. Like, you know, we worry ourselves and worry ourselves, or we are in fear, or we're so busy trying to work whatever it is, and it's not, I mean, that's not getting us to rest. Because what we even said before the break is, I actually have to choose. You know, I'm turning this over to God. Right. And when I turn it over to God, I'm at a place of peace. Right? I mean, if I'm truly turning it over to right. God. Right. I'm walking across the bridge from the craziness of what seems to be, or what is happening in physical form, uh-huh. crossing the bridge to this place of, hey, that's happening, and I know that, I am guided, guarded, and protected by spirit itself. And so the the choice is, is what maybe almost even as simple as the turning of my head, of what I'm going to be focusing on. Yes, yes. And even though that may not be literal, figuratively, right. I turn away, I turn my face away from the sheer panic of the cliff. Right. <laughs> right, yeah. And turn it this way to what I know is, Peace, the plateau that is on the other side, yes. And it doesn't deny that the cliff, the cliff exists, <laughs> right? But I'm just not so caught up in the cliff, right? I see it, I recognize it, I see it for what it is, which is something that is temporary, something that is happening in physical form, but it doesn't define who I am, why I am here, or what's going to happen next, right? So, and then it does go on into, there is nothing virtuous in suffering just for the sake of suffering. I bet you hate Let's that. Say that again. There is, <laughs> there is nothing virtuous in suffering just for the sake of suffering. Much of your suffering is self-imposed. Oh, all your suffering. All my suffering. Yes. The way in which you sometimes make yourself feel better about this self-imposed suffering is to tell yourself about all the re- rewards that are waiting for you as a result of your having suffered. You know, I must suffer, and then and then I will earn my peace. Oh, that's a big Christian thing, isn't it, on some level? Well, yeah, that I'll suffer here so to get, get to my heaven. reward in heaven. Um, yeah, I don't even think I'll get a reward in heaven. I just think I have to suffer. So see, that'd be better. <laughs> if I at least thought I was going to get some reward in heaven, I would be even better. No, I just get to suffer. For suffering, suffering is my plight in life. Poor Leslie. You know, it's interesting. Um, yesterday I had a uh, what a psychotherapist would call a panic attack, what a spiritual person would call a spiritual crisis. I don't know what it, it was a big thing, and um, I talked to a friend. I called my spiritual teacher and left a message, and then I was texting, and with my my beloved friend Carolyn, who now I have to mention every week apparently. Um, <laughs> Hi, Carolyn. There you go. And and she made uh, sent a text that she started out with saying Leslie, and then she said some words that were reassuring, and as I read them, I felt the presence of spirit move through the words into me. It was really, it was a um, literal, it was like my skin and my body was boiling, and I felt this just 
peace, you know, this literal rest. Wow. And um, and I wonder if this sense of rest, you know, I had to take the action to reach out. Yes. And then, you know, she came back with that. And so I would imagine that spirit works through all sorts of tea and people and radio, songs on the radio, and perhaps red birds or nature. I absolutely agree with that. And, and yes, it starts with what is it that's, that is going to bring that for you, mm-hmm. you know, for me, for each person. And so someone else might have sent you a similar text, but the combination of the spiritual, psychic, mental, emotional energy of it coming from Carolyn, from one that specific person, right. all together, so it wasn't just the words. Correct. Right. And you're right. Come to me, which we keep going back to, is all about I have to I have to take the steps across the bridge. Yes. From where I am. Right. I have to reach out or I have to release my attachment. Mm to what is going on right here, right now. Mm-hmm. I have to be in non-resistance to the flow of spirit in and as me, in as and through me. And so that requires me taking action. So, yes, you're reaching out mm-hmm. and continuing to reach out was like taking, if you reach out right. to six people, it's right. like you took six right. steps across the bridge. Uh-huh. Because sometimes one step isn't enough. Right. Right. And I'd rather have 20 baby steps than miss one giant step. Mm -hmm. And to really have a a resolve that I'm going to find this piece. I'm going, you know, I'm not going to stop until whatever it takes to to reconnect to that rest. And when now when we're using that word, I'm kind of, I have become a convert. Because I can see it, it's more of a mental rest. While my and it's probably actually energizing. Probably yes. I, <laughs> I can see now if I'm in that state of rest, I'm most likely engaged or energized to be more active in the world. Yeah, yeah, because it definitely is not about withdrawal uh-huh. from life. Uh-huh. It really isn't. Even though one of the things I might do to be in that place of rest, I might meditate, and that may look like I am withdrawing, withdrawing, but really not. I'm listening for guidance, and I'm I'm being receptive to what I should do next, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, how I can be in this situation. And so, you know, for that 15 minutes or that 30 minutes that I am, in meditation, I'm still actually, I'm actively doing something. I'm actively being receptive. I'm actively releasing my attachment. Right. And then I am ready to engage in whatever I need to engage in or with whomever I need to engage um, from a place of rest, from a place of peace, from a place of peace and joy and from the grounding of spirit, of God itself. So. You know, I like that. It's almost a ground. It is a grounding. It's a. It's like, um, what are you supposed to wear, rubber shoes, so when lightning hits you, you don't get electrocuted? <laughs> it's that. Don't you wish you lived in my mind? Isn't it a fun, like, wow. fun place? But if you wear the kitchen or if you wear tennis shoes or something, you have a grounding, a Coney Island mind, a, a carnival. There's a carnival going on in your mind. Look, something shiny and bright. Um, yes, I do. Ooh, I do remember hearing, hearing something, something like that when I was a young child. Or if you stay in your car, the rubber wheels ground you to the to the to the pavement, so the electrical. Yeah, current that's, that's can't somewhere go in the you. back of my mind yes, yes, is yes. trivia, safety <laughs> trivia. And so that would be the same kind of thing. If I'm in a state of rest, I'm I'm being grounded. I'm 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 being uh, shielded from the lightning or whatever's going on around me. 
So in Sacred Yes, what it says about that is, you can get rest from me, from God, even in the midst of a seemingly hectic or busy schedule. It is not the presence or lack of external stimuli that determines whether or not you are in a position to receive my rest. Your ability to receive is an internal proposition. You must be emotionally and spiritually primed for this state of being. Rest is a, okay, that's the end of the quote. Rest is a state of being. Rest is not an event. Yeah, that's taking rest in a whole different direction, but I can absolutely see that. It's kind of like staying, you know, in a faith, or you hear the term pray without ceasing, to stay in a state of prayer, so to stay in a state of of rest, being a spiritual groundedness. Yes. That would be, yes, that would be rest. Yes. That's a really sacred yes. Who wrote that? Um, it. What the book says is letters from the infinite as revealed to Reverend Deborah L. Johnson. And so Deborah Johnson is listed as the author of the book, The Sacred Yes. But what the content of the book is, is it is a series of letters that are written in in or from the voice of God, from the voice of infinite intelligence, speaking to each one of us or speaking to her, but as you're reading it, it's speaking to you. So um, it's, in that sense, a divine piece of work. Yes. But she's very clear to say that it's not, she's not channeling some, you know, character or personality. She doesn't become, like, high-pitched or shrill, or her body doesn't shake when she's writing. Um, that was funny. Even though I do believe in channeling, I always think that's, I a, that's the picture people think of, though, right? Even though I do. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a follower of, actually, Abraham. Yeah, and so the Sacred Yes book is 52, 53 of those letters. Mm-hmm. And um, and this letter just happened to be a letter called Come and I Will Give You Rest. Oh, that's interesting. And, um, yeah, so pretty fabulous. You know, it must be my week to talk about exercises we do at the jail, but this is a little fun thing that we did this week too, and it kind of mixes a spiritual concept with a psychological concept with a learning how we learn in our brain works concept, which I think is the perfect trifecta if you bring all three of those in together. The idea of if you're struggling with a question or wanting to connect to spirit, to take your uh, the hand that you normally write with, like I'm right-handed, mm-hmm. and to write the question out in my right hand, and then to take my non-dominant hand and write the answer. Right. And that kind of opens up, A, in theory, our brain does a different kind of short circuits how we normally write, because many times when we're writing something, it's such a customary thing that our brain does, it almost our brain almost goes to sleep. So when we try to write with our non-dominant hand, it lights up different parts of our brain. And uh, because of that kind of disconnecting from our logical brain, it kind of opens up a conduit, as, I, as I, it was explained to me years ago, that spirit can become more alive. And um, I'm always fascinated when I do this exercise myself. It always, it always, I always get something out of it. But I was a little hesitant to ask 64 women in prison to, to do this as an exercise for a week. I told them every day to come up with a question or a thought, write it in their primary hand, and then write their non-dominant hand. So out of the 64 women, probably 12 played, not many played. But of the 12 that played, I mean, they had experiences. And this one woman who's very Christian in her belief system, she said, I was writing Bible verses that I didn't even know I knew. Wow. She said Bible verses were coming through, and then I'd go back and look them up, and I had never read them before. And wow. other women were talking about how, you know, she said it just gave her such a sense of, she goes, I could hardly even read it. But I knew what it was saying, and I got calmer as I was writing. And it was really fascinating to hear each one of them had an experience. And it was kind of fun to watch those that didn't try. They just sort of discounted it right out of the box. 
until they heard from woman after woman. <laughs> right. And then, you know, some of them went back the next <laughs> week. Right. And to say, okay, I'm trying. I'm not to tell anybody. <laughs> right. That crazy stuff might work. Yeah. So that's an interesting uh, way to connect a spirit. And I certainly, and I love the idea that I didn't know what that book was. I heard you talk about it, but that's a cool thing. And I think, you know, thinking of that chapter as coming through from divine, I really think God has a clear sense that we are in a fairly frenzied state of unrest in our human experience. And we don't have to be. Right. right. And there's a constant message that, you know, you don't have to be. Come unto me. And I will give you rest. I mean, you know, just choose God or choose not God. It's really mm-hmm. up to you. Mm-hmm. But you do have the option. And you are making, we we are making a choice. I am making a choice whether I know it or not. Every moment I'm choosing. Yeah. It's really, really powerful. Um, so, um, at the top of the show, I, you know, mentioned that this was like perfect for me because this has been a week where I have constantly had to remind myself that I can choose rest. Ah, I can choose to be in the state of rest and not worried about, um, not overly, not, I was going to say not overly worried. Not worried. <laughs> That's cute. You're worried or no. you're not. Overly worried. <laughs> right. I like that. Okay, I haven't completely really worried from, um, okay, so uh, is the insurance company going to total my car out, or are they going to replace it? Details. Brown, you literally had a wreck. You weren't just being no, using that as an example of yeah. things in the past. You had a automobile accident. I had a really bad one-car crash. And, uh, and what happened? The car hydroplaned and oh, wow. spun out and oh, okay. crashed headfirst into a two-story, a 20-foot-tall retainer wall. And you have a tiny little cute car that would not offer you much between you and well, the wall. Well, it offered me my life. It so did, did work so for that. grateful, yes. I'm so grateful. But there was that moment. There was that moment when I knew I was not in control of the car. Wow. I saw the wall. Wow. Like, you know, I knew I was going to the wall, but in your mind you're like, the wall, it's coming to me. Wow. So I'm going into the wall, and, yeah, that split second of, really, is this it? I mean, that's what Wow, I, like, you had that moment. Yeah, is, like, right. is this the end? Is this, Did you think uh, of me? Life? Sorry. <laughs> Actually, Started. you know, I have had experiences before where, you're in that moment of crisis, and it seems like everything is in slow motion, mm-hmm. and your life passes before your eyes, and mm-hmm. you think of people, mm-hmm. and you... This happened so fast. Oh, my goodness. This really was a split second. I did not have the slow down oh. life like path. scarier, almost. Almost, mm. except that then, and then, you know, and literally the only thought that I'm aware of having was what I just said. Really? Wow. Is this it? And it wasn't a fearful thought, which now, you know, of course I could reflect on wow. afterwards. It wasn't a fearful thought. It wasn't like, oh, my God, this is it. I mean, you know, wow. or, oh, my God, I'm going to. It wasn't any of that. It was just, really? <laughs> is this it? Like, you know, I'm of working all the on way. all these exciting things right now, and I've got all this stuff going on, and you know, I'm going to go out, like, right now. <laughs> and But it also wasn't a resistance, oh like, oh, please, God, no, oh not now. Oh, my goodness. It was very, like, kind of flat. That's so but, interesting. But, like, flat and matter of fact. But in the very next second, of course, I realized I'm seeing the airbag deflate Shoot. and smoke coming out of the hood. Oh, goodness. And so the very next thought was, huh, guess not. Yes, <laughs> You know, and it's a, it's, it's, it makes for a little bit of a funny story in hindsight. Wow. Um, but then immediately, because that was my next thought, huh, guess not. And there was a voice that was not my thought voice. 
uh-huh. that was a separate voice that was very definitive. Tracy, get out of the car. Oh, really? And I heard it, but wow. you know, you are kind of. I was kind of in shock, and it wasn't my thought voice. So, but it was a clear voice. Tracy, get out of the car. Oh. So it got my attention, but I'm still a little fuzzy. And then I, um, it's it spoke again. Oh wow! There is smoke. Get out of the car. And oh, that wow. shocked me into like into real time. And then it said it one more time, Tracy, get out of the car. It's like, I'm talking to you. <laughs> I'm talking to you, get your butt out of the car. In case you're confused. And so, uh, right, if you're confused, Dave, you know, get unconfused and get your butt out of the car. So I did. I grabbed my wallet and I, you know, grabbed a couple of things that were right on the seat of the car and, um, and as I was opening the door to get out of the car, I grabbed, I, you know, I had the presence of mind at that moment to say to myself, where's my phone? Oh, good girl. Because if I had walked away from the car and I didn't have my phone, I'm pretty sure I would not have walked back to the car to get my phone. Right. And, I, of course, you need your phone. Yeah. So in a situation like that. So I did walk away from the car because... The front of the car was in a lane of traffic. I did need to get out of the car. Oh, wow. Because um, if someone had not stopped, you know, come around the curve and didn't stop, they would have hit me, the driver's door, because it was in the lane of traffic after I spun around. So, yeah, so it was it was crazy. So all week long I've had this oppor- this, this constant flow of opportunities to be, you know, rest is not getting away from things, but going to God and 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 viewing and experiencing whatever is happening from that state of God has this under control. <laughs> it, you know, it looks bad in from a human perspective. Right. It's scary. Um, you don't know how you know it's going to work out. Your back hurts. Your you know it's all these things all week. I've been able to choose. Am I going to be in the pain of this? Am I going to believe that I'm going to be part of the statistics and have whiplash? Am I going to believe that oh, right. my car is going to be totaled and I have no money to replace it? Am I going to believe that? Uh-huh. Or am I going to believe that? All of this is happening for my good, even though I can't see it. Right. And I am going to stand in a place of complete faith, knowing that, number one, my life was saved. My, I still have life. Right. I wake up every morning, and that's, you know, you've heard me say it for, for years. If I wake up in the morning, it's a good, good day. Good day. That is a good Tracy Brown quote. Yes. Right. I mean, I say that all the yes. time. Okay. So now, am I going to live from that place? Right. You know, am I going to live from that place and know that, well, my car was totaled and I'm alive, the resources are going to present themselves for me to get a replacement car, or the insurance agent is going to, say, repair the car. Right. Whatever. I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to worry about that. I have to believe right. that there is a power greater than me, and I can use <laughs> it, and I can stand it. And it is working for my good. And it is always working for my good. So, yeah, it's been a great week for um, for me to... Not so much test, because I don't believe really in tests, but to choose, huh, what bridge am I going to walk over from the fear and the pain and the scariness, you know, of this accident? And, you know, what's my bridge to the place that I choose, that I want to live in, which is, I live in a friendly, safe universe. I live in a universe where I can receive everything that I desire. And it really is, it's a—it's an opportunity. I have a a really 
well-tuned third eye or, uh, you know, a detached view of myself. I don't know there's other words that people use for that. But, you know, I can kind of watch myself pretty mm-hmm. pretty nicely. And it is very interesting to see kind of from a detached point of view, oh, there I'm going to make, you know, making a good choice. Or, yes. oh, no, that wasn't such a good choice. But it does keep kind of the experience in 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 a state of being a viewer instead of the participator. Right, I'm the observer. I'm the observer. Observing. Observer eye. That's the other term for it. And I think the more mature we become spiritually, the more we're able to access that. So yeah. that the experience becomes something that. Even if we make the wrong choice, there's still a part of us that's detached and observing, going, "Wow, that's too bad. We'll just wait here while you go off and you know, do all those crazy <laughs> okay, things." Okay, you're gonna take that path, and then when you get back to the top of the circle, yeah, okay, maybe you'll make. We'll be waiting. Choice, yes, right? we'll be waiting. I love it. And um, and so I think there is, you know, that choice becomes, you know, more, less. I don't know if the significance is not the right word, but. You know, when I'm part of it, like yesterday, there were moments when I was in my observer eye and then the moments when I was in the panic, and it's certainly two very different experiences. I'm curious, after your wreck, did you have any uh, good Samaritan kind of stories? Did people stop? Were you? Well, I have three people stop, two just that just stopped, you know, pulled over a little bit, slowed down, you know, and asked, rolled down the window, are uh-huh. you okay? Uh-huh. Uh, the first one was, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I was on the phone trying to call AAA so, uh, to get a tow truck on, on its way. So I really wasn't kind of engaging, but I was just like, yeah, I'm okay, but, you know, I'm calling the phone. And, this, and then, a, you know, a couple minutes later, some, he pulled off and somebody else, another guy pulled in, pulled over a little bit and said, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm just shaking. And he said, have you called 911? Uh-huh. And I actually said to him, no, I didn't call 911 because, you know, we have so ingrained in us. If you're in an accident and no one is injured, don't call 911, you know. And I wasn't thinking about the fact that I was on a highway road to a highway and that it was a really dangerous place and the police needed to be there for traffic more yeah. so than for me. I gotcha. And so I'm, I'm sure what happened was if no one else had already called 911, when he pulled off, he must have called 911 because then the County Sheriff's Department came oh, good. about five minutes later. But yeah, about five minutes later. And then the third person that stopped, actually when he pulled over, he had, he pulled completely onto the shoulder oh, uh-huh. and got out. Oh no. Nice. And, you know, asked if I was okay and was there anything he could do to help and then he ended up staying with me. Wow. Till the officer came, after the officer came, wow. all the way up until the tow truck got there. What a decent guy. And, well, there's a funny story about it. Let's see. Oh, and we only have one minute. So the very short version of the story is he at one point took my car key to see if he could move it more off the highway. And the officer came right about that same time and basically told him, you know, don't try to move it. And so he stood there to talk to the officer for a minute, and he dropped my car key in his back pocket. Oh, no. So, And I didn't know. I thought he had left his car key in the car oh. and I, or given it to the officer. Sure. So we didn't know till like 45 minutes later when we were dropping off with the tow truck because I asked the tow truck driver for my key so I could oh. get the extra key off. And he was like, I don't have a key. Don't you have a key? Oh, <laughs> so my it was crazy. Goodness. So I ended up being Good Samaritan the next day is when he brought me my key. I love that. Yeah. So now we're actually connected. connected. And there was a spiritual connection that we'll talk about on a future show. But today. Oh, see that as a topic next week how angels or spiritual connections, random encounters okay. of the third kind. Is that a, <laughs> is that a movie? So uh, we'll talk about that next week or on a future show. And we're so glad you joined us today, and we encourage you in this coming week to remember that rest is a state of being that you can get to simply by choosing God. And until then, we encourage you to... 
say, say yes to the spirit. Alexa, play meant to be. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.